0: This morning, we are going to uh, continue on in the series on the book of John. Um, we're, we're in John chapter 3 still. This is like the third week in John chapter 3. I'm really enjoying John chapter 3. I hope you are too. We're going to finish it this week, I promise. I promise we're going to finish it this week. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's a, yeah, I try. I mean, I, we'll, we'll make it to the end, I promise. And so, But it's so appropriate that we're talking about John chapter 3 uh, because it's really, it's talking about baptism uh, in the beginning here. Now, how many of you are boxing fans? Anybody boxing fans in here? Yeah. You know, years ago, uh, a stewardess came up to Muhammad Ali. He was on a plane uh, and said, sir, you need to, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And she, he looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looked at him and said, Superman don't need no plane. You know, the challenging thing in life is sometimes we get a perspective on ourselves that gets us a little out of whack, right? Sometimes It's kind of like looking at a funhouse mirror sometimes. We look at a funhouse mirror, and we're not really sure what we look like. We're not sure what we look like. We're, you're short, you're tall, you're fat, you're skinny. We like the skinny ones, don't we? We all like that one. But we get a wrong perspective on ourselves, and it throws off the way we see everything in life. We can start thinking of ourselves as better than we are. We can start thinking of ourselves as worse than we are. We can find ourselves thinking that we're, we're, we're not valuable, that no one loves us, that no one cares. We can find thinking that we can do no wrong. Perspective of who we are really impacts our ability to hold on to the right things and to let go of the wrong things. And it deals so much with how we see ourselves and how we see our life. Well, today in John chapter 3, starting in verse 22, we're going to see the perspective of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. You know, we, we already talked about him a little bit. Uh, John the Baptist was the predecessor of Jesus, He was the voice crying in the wilderness, as we've heard him referred to. John the Baptist was not the Savior. He was not the Messiah. He knew he wasn't the Savior, never claimed to be the Savior. He was merely the one declaring the way, right, making the way of the Lord. But he had disciples that followed him. He had disciples that followed him. And so the, 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 the chapter we're looking at today, the verses we're looking at today, is about an argument amongst his disciples. His disciples got upset at something Jesus was doing. Something Jesus was doing. And so looking here in John chapter 3, verse 22, it says this. It says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at uh, Aeon near Salim because there was plenty of water. And people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. So now just imagine this picture, right? john the baptist has declared here is the lamb of god the savior of the world and his disciples go dude he's taking your people they were upset they were upset for john he's stealing my sheep that's what they're saying they're saying he's taking your thunder You deserve these people. They should come to you. After all, your name is John the Baptist. Why is somebody else baptizing? But here's what John says. To this John replied, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. You know, there's a lot of conversation in, um, in theological circles of who was the bride that they were referring to here. Because Jesus initially came back as the, the Messiah for the Jews, Right? For the nation of Israel, but they rejected him, and so at a, at a wedding, what what is it? At, at who's who's the attention at the wedding to, to the bride, right? So you look at a, your typical bridal party picture. Who's in the middle? The bride. It's the bride's day. I've even counseled husbands and or fiancés. I've even counseled the, the men. I said, listen, this is not your wedding. Your job is to have an opinion if she asks you to have an opinion. If she doesn't ask, you just say, okay, that's what we're doing. That's what I've said. But in this chapter here, it doesn't matter who the bride is because it's not about the bride. It's about the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. And so the theological conversations of who's the bride referred to this doesn't really matter because the bride of Christ are those that had loved him and have accepted him and have become part of the church capital C the church of Jesus Christ we are the bridegroom but in this where are the bride Jesus is the bridegroom and John recognizes his role in the wedding party of the church and Jesus John the Baptist is the best man he wasn't the groom He was never the groom. He was the one that introduced the bride and the bridegroom to each other. He said, hey, look, I got some people you should meet. Here is your bride. Kind of like John the Baptist was Jesus' wingman. Do you see how good Jesus is here? Jesus is great. Jesus is better than I am. Look at Jesus. Here's Jesus. Have you ever had that friend that tried to set you up with somebody? They talk you up, or maybe somebody tried to set you up with somebody that didn't quite match the description. You're going, know, okay, they're obviously a really good friend because that doesn't mesh with what I was told. But see, John the Baptist, he wasn't drawing attention to himself, was he? So John the Baptist, what his whole role in the story of the church And in the marriage between the bride and the bridegroom, he was setting us up. He was making sure that we got together. Have you ever wondered this? When I baptize people, I baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That's what I do. John obviously didn't baptize people in somebody's name. John's baptism we, we heard it referred to, actually, in, in Acts chapter, uh, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read it real quick. In Acts chapter 19, um, Paul's there talking about uh, talking with some folks, starting in verse 2. He said, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, baptism they replied. You know what John's baptism was? It was a baptism of Repentance. John was calling people to repent because he was preparing them for the bridegroom. He was calling them to repent so that when the bridegroom showed up, they wouldn't be left out because they had been prepared. So John's baptism in water was one of preparation because John was trying to make sure that the church and that people would be ready to receive the bridegroom. That's why John the Baptist is the best man because he's making sure the wedding is going to happen. He's making sure that it's going to come about. And so when we see at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 and 2:38 here's what Peter says. Peter says repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because Jesus's baptism is different than John's baptism because John can't he's not baptizing in the name of John the Baptist. He's baptizing preparing people to receive Christ. But when Jesus baptized people, it's because they have made the decision they're going to love him and follow him. So he baptized people in his own name. He, that's the difference, the difference between preparing and being. John the Baptist was the best man, and at a wedding, the best man's very excited, isn't he? He's happy for his friend. And when the bride comes in the back, who's standing here? You have the groom and the best man. The best man is excited for the groom. But when the bride comes down, she's not taking the hand of the best man, is she? Is the best man any less happy? No. He's excited because they have finally come together. They have finally come together. That's why, that's why verse 30 is so, so powerful. It says, he must become greater. I must become less. Imagine if John the Baptist had said, guys, you're right. Hey, why don't you see if you can go get a couple of those guys to come back? It's not looking good for me. I'm losing people. That wasn't what John said. John willingly laid down his followers because he goes, They're not my bride. They're not my people. They're not my sheep. I'm not their Messiah. I'm not their Savior. John the Baptist did something so very important. And it's something that we all have to remember as well. John the Baptist took a step back and was excited that people found Jesus. And didn't focus on him. Jesus must be greater than me. Jesus must be greater than me. It's all about Jesus. Everything must be about Jesus. Everything. Our testimony. I, I shared with you about I shared with you about Teen Challenge coming. There's some amazing testimonies. Joseph shared about getting hit by a car, and how Jesus' blood covered him. Did 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 the glory of Joseph's testimony? Did it say I'm strong? Joseph's a strong guy. He's he's stout. He's thick. He's good. He take a hit. Got hit by a car. It wasn't his glory. Whose was it? Jesus's glory. If we start telling our story and our story is all about us and not about Jesus, we've missed the point. Our testimony testifies about what Jesus has done in our lives. It's not just about all the junk that we've come through. The junk you've come through has shaped you and molded you and changed you and turned you into the person that you could have been. But with Jesus, your testimony is transformed and redeemed. And the purpose of your testimony is not to bring glory to yourself of all that you survived of all that you have survived in life. No, no. The testimony of your life should bring attention to Jesus. Everything in our lives should focus to Jesus. Now, here's the hard statement. In your daily life, do your actions focus on Jesus? Jesus? Or do they distract other people from Jesus? The way you talk at work. The way you argue with somebody on Facebook. I'm not saying you can't disagree with people, but there's a way to do it in a God-honoring way. Sometimes the God-honoring way to argue with somebody is to walk away. Are we coarse in our joking? Are we just casual about sex? Our language? Are we pointing people to Jesus? Or are we trying to make sure that we don't offend anybody? Listen, everybody has moments where they lose focus. We get upset. I'm not making an excuse for you. Because as we are purified by the refining fire of Jesus Christ, our life is transformed. Our life is changed. But too often, we've made the focus about ourselves. We made the focus about ourselves. I I, I saw an article this week, and really even the content of it is not necessarily um, overly important. But the justification for the actions of the individuals in the article was, I just got so upset I couldn't control myself. We as Christians don't have that luxury. We don't get to just say, I got upset, so I did what I did. Nope. Sorry. What did we say last week? The Christian life is a life of sacrifice. Part of what we sacrifice is my rights to do just whatever I want to do. Because when I do just whatever I want to do, when I say whatever I want to say, when I live however I want to live, apart from the redemptive love of Christ, I distract other people from finding Jesus. My life should focus other people on Jesus. That's a big, big requirement, isn't it? But here's the thing. Man, no one's going to come to church if at work they can't tell any difference between you and somebody that doesn't say they're a Christian. Why would they want to come be a part of your church? Why would they want to find Jesus if they can't see the difference that Jesus has made in your life? But we want people to find Jesus. And so what did John the Baptist do? Step back. See, everything in our culture and society, everything in our culture and society says, John, you should have fought for your space. They were your people. They were your disciples. They were your sheep. John said, no, they weren't. I don't own anybody. Nobody's mine. They're all Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Jesus. We have to focus our lives so that we draw attention to Jesus. Because when we don't do that, we're the exact opposite. We are preventing people from finding Jesus. And I do not want to have a millstone tied around my neck and thrown into the sea for preventing somebody from finding Jesus. look Look at how the chapter ends. The chapter ends, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth belongs to earth and speaks as one from earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. John's talking about Jesus. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. But no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted is certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hand. It's all about Jesus right there. Whoever believes in the son, sounds a whole lot like John three sixteen here. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life. For God's righteousness, Wrath remains on them. This is the only time in the New Testament that you hear the word God's wrath. Do you know what God's wrath is? Separation from him. And so if our goal is to point people to Jesus... And we live our lives in such a manner that we distract other people from being able to find Jesus because we're not focusing them on Jesus. Do you think that's going to go well for us? Our lives are to be pointing others to Jesus. Everything should bring focus to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Our lives are about Jesus. Our efforts, our work, our giving, our serving, our loving—it's all about pointing people to Jesus. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to meet uh, the gentleman in this picture here. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet the the gentleman. Now, it's a little hard to see. Um, I did not meet the guy on the right. Um, I—I've never met Elvis Presley. but I did meet the guy on the left. His name's David Stanley. And we have any big Elvis fans in here? Any big Elvis fans? You might know who David Stanley is then. David Stanley is Elvis Presley's stepbrother. I used to hang out with David Stanley. David Stanley was a, he was a, well, he was an evangelist for years. Um, he, would, he would preach in churches. He's a great motivational speaker. Um, just phenomenal in the way that he, um, he, could, he could tell just an amazing story. Uh, and I, I knew him for several years. Knew him for several years, and then and then David got um, he got a little sideways at the church. He got upset with the church. He felt like churches weren't uh, when he would come to speak, they weren't paying him enough honor. They weren't giving him enough money, and so he quit doing it. He quit preaching in churches, and he decided that he was going to go out on the uh, the motivational speaker. Circuit and tour, and start uh, doing this in schools, and do this for businesses, and do this in different places. And um, here's what David Stanley found out. I talked to him about this. Actually, um, he he uh, he ended up marrying um, one of my good friends that I grew up with. He married his sister, and uh, we had him at our youth group and stuff. And here's what uh, Dave told me after he had uh, quit preaching in churches and tried to be successful in business. Uh, motivational speaking, that kind of stuff, he, um, he told me, he goes, you know, I, um, I thought that my ability to speak was my ability. He goes, I didn't realize it was a gift from God. And when he tried to go into a secular setting, he couldn't communicate. It didn't have any connection to people. It didn't have any vibrancy about it. Because he had made it all about him. It wasn't about Jesus. When we make life about us, when our programs, when our ministries are just about keeping us happy, we're taking the attention off of Jesus. When we don't want to get a little uncomfortable, we're taking the attention off of Jesus because it's become about us. And I don't have anything specific in mind that I'm talking about there. But the reality is, everything we do as a church, everything we do as Christians, Everything that we do as a follower of Christ should focus other people back to Jesus. Because just as John the Baptist was not the Messiah, as John the Baptist was not the Savior, as John the Baptist could only encourage people to repent, to prepare themselves to receive Jesus, I am not the Messiah. No one belongs to me. All I can do, all you can do, all any of us can do is to help people be prepared to receive Jesus. That's all we can do. And Jesus is ready to receive them. What John the Baptist said in verse 30, He must become greater, I must become less. It's what we all have to do. He must become greater. I must become less. Now this morning, as I was speaking, maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you have been, but you've never made a decision for Jesus. Here's the amazing, beautiful thing. Jesus was baptizing people in this chapter. Jesus came for the purpose. That's what John 3, 16, as we read about last week. He came to receive his bride. And his bride are those that have believed in him. We are all the bride of Christ once we make the decision to accept him as Savior and Lord. We then become the bride of Christ. Now, the marriage is still about the bridegroom because he's the one that makes it possible. But this morning, before we receive communion, I want to make sure we have a moment and an opportunity for you to receive the bridegroom, the one who has come to this world because he loves us so much, He wants us to be in relationship with him forever. The one who was alone, worthy of our praise, humbled himself, came to earth and said, I need to rescue my bride. That's why he came. And so this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask a simple question. Perhaps you've never made the decision to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Perhaps you have been living your life just for yourself. The the baptisms we saw this morning, those are just an outward demonstration of an inward change. But the analogy of a wedding And a bride and a bridegroom, that's how much Jesus loves you. And so this morning, maybe you've never made that decision. You've never asked Jesus to be your bridegroom, your Savior. We want to pause right here. If that's you this morning and you say, I would like to be in the family of God with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like you just to slip up a hand and say, I want to make that decision this morning. We'll pause here for a minute. I want to make the decision that Jesus would be my Savior, that Jesus would be my Lord. I see the hand. This morning, let's join together. Just a simple prayer, a simple prayer, and we'll pray this together for those that had their hands raised. But I invite everyone to join us because we want to meet Jesus as our Savior. Would you pray with me? Say, "Dear Jesus, Jesus. Thank, you that you came. thank you that you came. You love me so much; me so much. it's overwhelming." I thank you, I thank you, that, you have made it that you have made it possible for me to join with you. Join with you. I ask this morning, I ask this morning that, you sins, that you would forgive my sins, that you would come live in my heart, that you would come my heart and that we would be married, be married as, the bride be. as the bride and bridegroom should be. Become greater in my life, in my life and help me turn other people's attention to you turn other people's attention to you in your name i pray in your name i pray amen